0: The following audio is from the House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about the House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. We are unpacking this idea of welcome home and and how God responds when someone who was, um, someone who had fallen, someone who has strayed, or someone who has left the faith. Maybe they didn't even know God. How does God respond when people connect with Him and or reconnect with Him? And the Bible's very clear that God gets excited about that. I wanted to give you two scripture verses, and then we're going to start talking about our, our topic for today. Two scripture verses real quick. Psalms 51 verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The second verse that I want to give you is... First Corinthians 13 7 and it says love never gives up on people it never stops trusting it never loses hope and it never quits come on is that good how many of y'all have needed some people to never quit on you how many of y'all have ever been in a situation where you needed someone to not quit well at the house we are doing this series called welcome home and we are praying that that transformation ultimately happens in your life. We, we believe that everybody needs forgiveness, everybody needs freedom, and everybody needs focus. And all of those things are continual. You know what, we do great, and then we don't. You know, we, 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 we get a little success, things start happening in our life, and all of a sudden, have old habit patterns start coming back, old bondages, things that are in our life, and we need some freedom. And then, you know what, a lot of times, we mean to do better than we're doing, and we lose focus. And we feel like everybody is always in the one or three of those stages where we need forgiveness, we need some freedom, and we need some focus. And today, my assignment is talking about your great value. As a person, God has, there's a value on your life. Yeah. You know, you're not an accident, you're on purpose, regardless of the story or the background or the parent your life has value and there is purpose behind who you are and so we are unpacking this idea of when people stray and fall away what are God's thoughts when we mess up let's just talk about this and this is uh, this we're just kind of you know throwing a couple thoughts out there for you to think about um but if we were to think about it what is what's what's God's thoughts when when we mess up what's God's thoughts for us you know as we start thinking about that you may be new to church and not really know or maybe you grew up in another denomination or or you grew up grew up on denominational lines and you're like well is God mad at me is God frustrated with me does God does God hold stuff against me and, and, and a lot of times you know God doesn't handle us like we handle people yeah. come on when we when we're mad at someone Come on, it's hard work to turn the other cheek. You know, if you get one cheek, I don't know if I want to give you the other. Come on. We have people who mean mug people. All right, I want you to know I'm mad at you. <laughs> I see it all the time. You know what I mean? It, it, it's funny. And it's like, is that how Christians handle other Christians? Is that how, is that how we do it? You know, because here's the thing. God doesn't do it like we do it. Come on, we delete people, block people from Facebook. So, so if we mess up, does God block us from the eternal Facebook? I mean, are we done? Is that it? You, you, you have been banned because we messed up? Or maybe what if we reject him in some form or fashion? We reject him. Does God come after us? Does that, I'm not, oh, you hurt my feelings. I'm going to come get you. You know, come on, all of us have had thoughts one time or another where we want to really say, we got a lot built up, and I got a lot to say, and I just need one opportunity to tell you how I really feel. Come on, have you ever been there where you just, you know, like you're ready for this confrontation. I've, I've been ready for it for about nine months. I'm ready. Just whenever you go, we go. Let's go. You know, is God like that? God is that how God handles us? You know, when we think about it, God loves you. God has a great plan for your life. Now, I will tell you this. Make no mistake about it. God hates sin. God hates sin. And so we are in a culture now where nobody wants to talk about sin. And so, but here's the, here's the thing. If you don't talk about sin, you never know how great God's love is. If we remove sin, then God is just like anybody who just loves people. But the reality is that sin is what keeps us from from being free. Sin is the thing that keeps us from bondage. You know, the reason God hates sin is because it hurts us. It hurts us. See, God was the creator of all life, and God wanted to have a relationship with people. But when we sin, it separates us. It hinders us. It breaks us down. And so sin is always something that God looks at and hates, but God doesn't hate you. He hates sin. He knows what sin is capable of doing. It ensnares us. It separates us. If we do it long enough, it'll destroy our relationships. It'll destroy our life. But you know what? God is a good God. He's a life giver. He's a forgiver. He's a restorer. The Bible says that He is a good Father. Not that, that He's a Father, but that He is a good Father. And He wants to usher us into forgiveness and to freedom. You ever know people that, that, that you feel like it's hard for them to forgive themselves? Have you ever had a conversation and they just keep going back to this one issue or the one thing they did when they were 20 or the one thing they did when they were in their teens or the one thing they did when they were 30, and it's like, come on. We just can't let that go. We can't let that one mistake, and it may have been terrible. It may have been very hard. It may have been really a, a, a dark moment in their life. So I'm not belittling it. I'm just saying that it, it's sad for me that people live under so much guilt and shame and can never break free. They begin to beat themselves up over decisions that were made years and years and years ago. And I, and I think many of them think, well, if I, if I keep this in front of me, people will know that I'm really sorry. People will know that I'm, I'm really, I really know that I messed up. And here's the thing, you know, we talked a little bit about Adam and Eve last week, and I just kind of want to bring this back just to our thought for the sake of conversation. But Adam and Eve were put in the garden, and God put them in a great place to thrive. A great place to thrive. And here's the deal. God said you can do anything, but man, y'all create. Come on, y'all make some babies, you know, grow this thing, make this thing better. I'm gonna give you a garden, but I want you to touch the world. Come on, I'm gonna give you something in seed, but I want you to move and make this. And as you create, see here's the deal. If Adam and Eve had not sinned, Adam and Eve were gonna gr- was gonna grow. In Genesis chapter three, the enemy comes in and deceives Adam and Eve and says there's something God's not telling you. But Here's the thing. He was manipulating Adam and Eve to resist and reason in their heart. Maybe God's wrong. Yeah. Maybe, maybe God's not right. And so what happened is, just think about this. If Adam and Eve had not sinned, they would have created family. That family would have created a society. The society would have created a nation. The nation would have created a world of people and they would have been the ruler over the world and they would have known more than they do, knew when they were first created. They would have had more experience. See, God was wanting to create them over time and give them a time to learn lessons. That's why God said, walk with me in the cool of the day. Well, here's the deal, they rebelled. God said, don't eat of this tree. They went over there, ate of the tree. Eve was like, hey, Adam. Adam was like, what? They ate of this fruit. Immediately the Bible says that their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. We talked last week, you know what? I mean, the reality is I know when naked people walk by me. You know what I'm saying? That's not, that's not like a hard thing. When people start walking by me naked, I, know, I, I instantly know. I just like, whoa, what, what okay. You know, I, but Adam and Eve did not know because here's the deal. The Bible says that it was in the garden and they were, they were naked, but they were not ashamed. Come on, you know God was moving in a garden for a woman to walk around naked and be okay. For a man to walk around and not be okay, not have any intimidation, not how woo, how y'all do, okay. You know I mean, you know there was something going, it had to be spiritual. Well, that's all I'm saying. And immediately they went away from what God told them to do. And so here's the deal, their eyes opened and instantly they were like, what, what, oh, okay, cover it. And they begin to cover for themselves. And here's what I want to say, that it happens to us all the time that that it is our in our instinct to hide our shame for it's our instinct to not tell anybody don't tell anybody don't don't have anybody ever said don't tell anybody come on we don't want to know that we backed up the car and and hit something we don't want to know that, that we don't want to know when we mess up come on we don't want anybody to know that we one time Katie and I left we were dating we're young passionate ready to take the world by the by the tail And we were so excited, we were engaged. We were going to Little Rock to work on the wedding. I jumped out of my car, jumped into her car. We left, my mom came by where I lived. She was like, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening? I was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. What are you talking about? She was like, your car's still running. Where are you? It'd been like three hours. And the car was just running, and she was like, I thought you were kidnapped. I was like, <laughs> I was like Mom, I'm a grown man. If I was kidnapped, I would not tell you. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we just, don't tell nobody. I don't tell. My wife's always like, okay, what story are you going to tell today? <laughs> Let's not tell everything. <laughs> there was this one time, we had just moved up here. We had just moved up here. And, and the church hadn't started yet. It was December 2015. We're excited about, you know, doing life, doing church. Felt like God called us here. And I, my office was my car. I just got a new Lenovo laptop. You know, the one where you flip over and it's really neat. And, and, and then I got, I got, I got this new um, Sig Sauer gun, that had a little handgun. It was like a P938. I loved it. I never had a handgun. First, my first cool laptop, my first cool backpack, my first cool handgun. I was doing a lot of traveling, and I had this one... Oh, we I, I, during the time of us coming up here, I did a lot of consulting, and so I would do a lot of speaking and doing leadership for CAT, different things. And so I had this gift card that they had given me. I'd done a week long, and they paid me, but they also said, here's a gift card. They gave me a $1,000 gift card to, um, well, to Bass Pro Shop. Have, so, in the, so come on, I'm speaking. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And so I had this card. I had my gun. I had my Lenovo. And my cool backpack. Every time I wore my backpack, I kid you not, people were like, "That's a really cool backpack." I'm like, "Yeah," you know what I'm saying. And so I had all this in my backpack. My office was in my backpack. I was leaving the state. I was traveling a lot. And and, and I come in one day. I was tired. Walk in the house. Come back the next day all my doors are open, all the stuff's out, four or five cars have been broken into. Come on, stole my Lenovo, my backpack, my gun, and my gift card. You you feel what I'm, you know, you know. And I was like, I called the police, and they were like, yeah, this happens, it was at Christmas time, and, you know, right now, we weren't, we weren't employed, so, I mean, that, 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 I had saved that for a year for Christmas, and I was like, okay, and so I remember, been like a week, and I was just like, man, I was like, I was gonna get all my kids' Bass Pro stuff, it will be awesome, and, uh. I walk in and talk to Katie, and and I'm just talking about all the stuff I'd lost, and she's like, oh no, 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 that card, I still have it. I was like, what? She was like, no, no, I still have the card, I took it out of your backpack. I was like, I love you! (laughs) I didn't want to marry anybody else! (laughs) It was like the greatest moment. I was like, you got my gum on the my backpack, you got all that too? She was like, no. I was like, oh. (laughs) I was so happy it was like maybe it was cuz we could have Christmas maybe it was cuz it was a thousand dollars I was still happy and here's the thing I don't know if you've ever lost something but a lot of times spiritually we're holding things that God wants to free us from shame guilt you know there are some people that are more prone to experiencing shame they grew up in a household where shame and putting someone down was the way that they parented. And you were never good enough and you never did good enough and it was, never, it was never okay. Other people, have you ever met those people where it's like nothing bothers them at all? It's like, you know, the world just exploded, huh, I'll get on a trip to Mars, it's cool. I mean, it's like they lost their job, I have one tomorrow. Hey, you know what, uh, one of the kids are sick, they'll get better. I mean, I mean it's just like it's, like, it's like they never, it never affects them. Other people, it's like, oh, it's terrible. I have a toenail, it's really bad. It's ingrown. I'm going to have to have surgery, they may cut it off. <laughs> I mean, it's just like everything is terrible. And I'll tell you what, if we're not careful, that shame will pass down from generation to generation. And we'll never break it. You know, shame is different than guilt. Guilt says what you did was bad. Shame says what you did was bad, therefore you are bad. See, guilt we're in a culture that wants to remove all negative. People are like, "I just need some positive people around me. I just don't need this negativity. I just need positive people all the time. Positive people. Well, the reality is this. Guilt takes you to the Lord. Guilt is not a bad thing. Guilt says, I've messed up and I am guilty and I need you to come to you so that you can cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Shame says, you're a terrible person. It speaks to your value and it cuts you deep. Shame is not the same as guilt. Shame is not the same as regret. Regret says, if I could go back and do some things different, I would. Shame says, I'll never get it right. I'm a failure. Shame is different than embarrassment. Embarrassment says, everyone experiences embarrassing moments. Shame says, yet just another reminder that I'm a loser and I, and I can't do anything right. Guilt is always connected to behavior, while shame is always connected to identity. Listen, guilt draws us toward God, but shame sends us away from God. How could He ever take me back? How could He ever love me? How could He ever? Shame makes us run away. Guilt makes us fall to our knees. Listen, we've all messed up. And the Bible says that we grieve over our sin. When, when we see the effects of sin, it should make us want to change. I don't know about you, but have you ever met people that, have, that live with the I don't care? I don't care. I don't, they have an attitude. I don't care. I don't care. I see a lot of teenagers. I don't care. And really, they care a lot. They just don't want to let you know that they care, so they can't care. Because in your presence, if they care they, and they know you care, they, they know that you know that they care. Then they're soft. But the reality is this there's a big difference between grieving over sin and being less valued. Your your value doesn't change. God has a plan for your life. I don't know if you know much about Jonathan Edwards, but Jonathan Edwards was a father of the Great Awakening that happened here in America. And he at 14 he went to Yale. At 14 he was a college student at Yale. He was an extremely intelligent thinker. He spent 23 years as a pastor of a church of 600 people. He did missionary trips to 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 the Indians. He inspired thousands of missionaries throughout the 19th century. He wrote a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God that changed the environment and the landscape of our culture and a lot of things that we do in church today we do because of his revivalist mentality what do you think let's just say there's 15 billion people in the world uh, from, from, from from the inception let's just say let's just go with the top 15 billion people where do you ever wonder where you rate like out of the 15 billion like would i make the first top would i make the top 10 million would I make 13? What about Jonathan Edwards? I mean, he would change the whole landscape of our culture. Where would he, where, where do you think he would be? Maybe, maybe top 5 billion people? Here's what he said about himself. In 1725, he said this. I have had a vast greater sense of my own wickedness and my own badness of my heart than ever before my conversion. It has often appeared to me that if God should mark iniquity against me, I should appear the very worst of all mankind, of all that has ever been since the beginning of the world, since the beginning of time, that I should have by far the lowest place in hell. Okay, I know you're thinking, well, that's a real downer. But here is a man who was used and really, because of his life, changed thousands and thousands and thousands of lives. And look what he says. If. See, that that word, you may have missed it. It has often appeared to me that if God if God so so God doesn't mark me But if God did I would be the worst out of everybody. Come on We all everybody fronts a little bit, but you know what's in here. Come on those conversations How many times have you backed up a car over someone in here? Come on don't play How many times have you wished harm for someone in here? How many, how many times have you seen something, said something, thought something that you thought? <laughs> 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 See, everybody might not know our wickedness, but we do. Yeah. But we do. And here's the thing, is this preacher found no confidence in his flesh. No confidence in his flesh. Listen, God doesn't mark against us. Romans 8, 1. Romans 8, 1. Look at this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. And I want to spend the next 15 minutes unpacking the second part. We're moving through Luke chapter 15. We started last Sunday at the first part of, of, of that this text and now I want to just talk about two verses and we're going to unpack some thoughts about our value. Luke chapter 15 verse 8 and 10, Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says rejoice with me for I have found the peace everybody say peace Peace. which I lost likewise I say to you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents here is why it's important and this is why we need to understand this you need to lock in on the word peace You are a piece of the puzzle that God wants to do here in this society, in this community, in this nation at this time. 2017, you're a piece. And so it's interesting to me that the woman says, I found the missing piece. The reason God hunts for us and waits for us and loves us and the reason that we are not judged in this moment there will be a moment when we will stand before him in heaven on that great mercy seat and he will say, let's talk about your life. But he has withheld his judgment. You are a peace and the only thing that he's trying to do is run, reconnect with you, and let you know that your peace still matters. Yeah. You're a piece for Northwest Arkansas. You're a piece for for the school. You're a piece. You're a piece of the part that God wants to play. Come on. There's a little difference when you realize I'm a piece. You're not the piece. You're not all of it. You're a piece. So for some of you that you're like, yes, I am. You're a piece. You ever had a piece of pie? You're a piece. You're not the pie. But for some of you that you feel like your shame has marked you and that you no longer can be a peace, what I am telling you is that you are a peace. Walk different. There's a plan for you in the kingdom of God. You are a peace. Come on, somebody. I'm a peace. I'm a piece of this. I'm a piece of what God wants to do. There are three ways to understand your value that I want to let you know. Three ways and then we're going to be done. The first is this. You've been marked. You've been marked. It's interesting that this woman, we we're talking about this coin. And obviously all of us have changed. Come on, we got it in our, our cars and our couches. You got it, we got change everywhere. Every piece of our change has been marked with a president. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus said, Pull out a coin whose face is on it. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. The reality is that you have been marked before the foundations of the earth. Your life was not an accident. I don't care how you got here, I don't care at what measure you got here. There is a purpose for your life, and you have been marked. You've been marked, you have value. There's an impression that has been made on your life. Listen, the reason that all of us want to achieve more and do more and become more is because there's something in you that says, I am worth more. There is something in here. Uh, That's why I'm not satisfied by this or that or just maybe what house I have or how many kids or where my car is. But I still want more. This was put in you so that you would find God that you would connect with Him. And can I tell you this? Don't allow your shame to devalue you. Sometimes we fall off. Sometimes we fall down. Sometimes we're in the dirt. But you're still worth what you're worth. Come on, if I took out a $100 bill and I rolled it around, I wiped the sweat off my forehead, I spit on the $100 bill, it would still be worth a $100 bill. And the reality is this. God has a plan for your life even if you've given up. He hasn't. He hasn't. Fallen mankind... Still has the image of God. Genesis chapter 9 verse 6. Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he is made man. You have been made in the image of God. One piece of money. This woman had one tenth. Now you may not know the history here, but when a woman got married, she would not wear a wedding ring. She would wear a headband. And this headband would have the coins in the headband. And so the reality is this was a sign of her leaving adolescence. It was a sign of her leaving single life. And so now she was married. So once this crown, this this bandana, this headband was, was broken or missing, it would be just like a diamond coming out of your wedding ring. It was of great value. And so here's the thing. It was of great value for her to find this and restore it because... She was somebody different. She was somebody different. God has a plan for you and you have been marked. The second thing that I want to talk about is that it's not over when you fall. it's It's not over when you fall. Man is just like this lost coin. In our last message we talked about never forgotten. When we stray off, but what about when we fall? You know, in the first message we talked about, the sheep went and they strayed off. They kind of got distracted. They left. They wanted something different. But what happens in this is a different situation because in this the, the coin falls. What if, you, what if one of the struggles that you're dealing with, you, you really didn't have much to do with? Maybe it was a mom. Maybe it was a dad. Maybe someone lied. Maybe someone said they would do something and they didn't do it, and you fell. Maybe there was a friendship. Of course, we're not re- removing personal decision, but maybe someone was supposed to do something and they didn't do it, and you fell because someone was careless. Someone was careless. Maybe this coin fell because of busyness. But here's what I'm saying is that if we're not careful, we'll think it's over when we fall. It's not over. It's not over. I find it interesting that that this woman immediately begins to start lighting and and cleaning and it's not over. Listen, it's not hopeless when you fall. Some of you, you, I see people who fall and they wear this guilt and they wear this shame and you know what? They can never get back. They can never bounce back. And here's the deal. All that needs to happen is we need to turn on the light. We need to start sweeping. We need to start cleaning. That's why when we respond in worship, that's why when we come to church, that's why we take notes go to life group because here's what happens is we respond when we're lost way too many people try to dig in and stay lost (laughs) the floors there were muddy and they were dirty and there was no way to find the coin unless there was a light these these houses didn't have any windows And what I'm telling you is maybe the freedom that you need to experience is that it's time to turn on the light of Jesus and it's time to start sweeping and cleaning up some ideas so that we can be back where God has called us to be. Come on, somebody. Listen, it's interesting to me that... They didn't stop until they found the coin. When you fall, it's not over. Can I tell you, those of you who have kids, those of you who have parents, those of you who have people in your life that you know they're not saved yet, don't you dare give up. You keep praying. You keep believing for them. Because here's the deal. This is the good news, not the bad news. And the reality is there is always hope. That's right. There is always hope. The third thing is that Don't do life alone. Don't do life alone. This coin could not find itself. It was impossible to find itself. The coin needed somebody. The coin needed... And so a lot of theologians think that the first part of Luke chapter 15 deals with the shepherd talking about Jesus going and being a good shepherd and finding the lost and bringing them back. The second a lot of people feel like this is the church because we are the bride of Christ and that just requires a little bit of help to sweep and move and do the things that we need to do together and the last when we talk about next week we'll talk about the prodigal son knowing the father. Knowing the father. Can I tell you that you can't do life alone. You can't do life alone. We were not created to live alone. If God wanted man to be alone, there would have been no Eve. God wants us to have some life together. The coin couldn't find itself. As we're looking, it's amazing. I meet with some of our people. I meet with some of our men. And it's amazing when I get done having a conversation with some of our men, I leave with a little bit more light. I get a text from someone that says, hey we're praying for you, hey we're this, and come on, the light is on. And you know when I come to a life group it begins to start sweeping the house and all I'm saying to you is this, as a church, don't let's not ever get to the place where we don't care about lost people. Yeah. This woman was relentless in helping this coin get back to where it needed to be. Come on you millennials, for the last 10 years we've been talking about millennials now there, there's even a new new way new a new classification of people that digital i forgot the terminology 14 15 and 16 year olds and both classes of people that you want to do something significant i mean you want to be a part of something that matters you're a piece of this puzzle And I can't tell you anything that would matter most than you finding lost coins of people that have been marked by God that have a plan and a purpose and dusting it off and cleaning it up and putting it right back where it belongs. Come on, open your homes, open your hearts, open your life. Come on, let's pick some people up. Let's speak some life. Let's bring the light of what God's done in our life into their life. You want to do something? There's not any organization. There's not any water well. There's not anything that you can do that's greater than saving people from hell. There's not anything that you can do. And here's the thing. I don't want to be a church of people of lost coins who have been marked, have incredible value because of divorce, because of rebellion, because of harmful relationships, because of being, because of fallen. We just stay there. That's why we make it our point to meet new people when they walk in because we never know what position they're in. They may be soaring soaring high and they may have fallen and we're going to come and we're going to love them and we're going to restore them and speak truth in love. Some of you here, you may have dealt with a little shame. Can I tell you, be done. It's only affecting all of your relationships. Just be done. For those of you that you've fallen, come on, we all know, God, I don't know why I'm in this place. I, don't, I know I should be a little further. I know I shouldn't have act like that. I know I shouldn't have said that. Come on. All. It's time to get up. It's time to get back where you're supposed to be. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at the house, follow us on social media at the house underscore NWA.